Hello, hello, this is Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Today we're in for a treat because you're going to get to hear from board-certified dermatologist Dr. Nana Boache. She's 15 years of experience, she's a trailblazer in the field, but she's also coined the term lifestyle dermatology. This is an approach that flips traditional skincare on its head by weaving in diet, fitness, stress management, and emotional well-being. All of the things that we know for sure lead to better skin, but are often not part of the conversation. Dr. Boache is also the mother of an 11-year-old, and we talk about all of these tween and teen girls. If you haven't seen these stories, there is a new epidemic of 10 and 11, even 9-year-olds going into Sephora and buying drunk elephant products. They are buying retinols. They are buying acids to use on their little baby skin. Now, back in my day, we definitely used beauty products, but it was more like Bath and Body Works and Lip Smackers. We were not doing skincare with active ingredients. What all of this really makes me think about and reflect on is what are we teaching young people about what it means to care for your skin? And as we know, it is not just layering on a bunch of products. Taking care of yourself, your whole body is a 360 approach. And I love that I was able to go deeper on this topic with Dr. Boache. Now, the other thing we discuss is her involvement in a lot of these celebrity brands that we're seeing. She is the dermatologist behind the brands working on the formulation of a lot of these celebrity skincare brands. And I had to get her take on that. And I had to get her take on the other thing that we touch on, which is so important, is scalp health and what the payoff is between certain hairstyles and the health of our scalp. We get into such great conversation. You all are going to love hearing from her. Let's get into our conversation. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Dr. Boachi, so happy to have you on Naked Beauty for you to share your knowledge with us. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We met at the Loved One event in LA, right? We sure did. I was like starstruck. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm finally seeing you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. You mentioned your younger sister listens. Yes. So Akua is my younger sister. My sisters and I started a skincare line called Karate back in 2016 as a shaver yes. skincare line. And Fabulous hand cream, I just have to say. Ah, thank you. We love our hand cream as well. She listens to you all the time. When I told her I was going to be on your podcast, she was just like, wait, what? Shout out to Akua. We love that. You've created such an incredible dermatology practice, and it is so rare to be able to speak to an expert expert in skincare, let alone a black woman in the skincare space. And there's just so much noise out there. There's so much skincare advice. It's so hard to know what to pay attention to. And I'm sure you find that's 
a lot of people dispensing skincare advice do not have any medical background. None, none, none. All these myths out there. It's crazy what I see. It's also exhausting trying to like debunk everything too, because you're just like, I can't do another reel. I'm too tired. <laughs> I can't do another reaction video. Yes. Well, I want to understand what got you interested in skincare. Did you always know you wanted to be a dermatologist? So it's so interesting. I'm a Ghanaian and my parents are both doctors, you know, being African, you know. And so I remember when I was six years old, I always tell this story that my dad was like, so when you grow up, what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be an artist. And he was just like, uh, no, choose again. And so at that point, I decided, all right, you know, I'll just be a doctor because you guys are doctors. My mom is a uh, pediatrician. My dad's an OBGYN. And when I was 14, my mom really had bad acne. And I remember going to her dermatology appointment with her. And the dermatologist was able to control her hormonal acne at the time. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Fast forward, I was in college. And I remember thinking back to, at that point, I was like, well, I need to figure out what I want to go into. And I remember I was like, oh yeah, mom had really bad acne. And I really liked that dermatology visit. Let me explore that more. I then realized at that point that I had family members who were dermatologists overseas and mm -hmm. they were able to nurture and help me throughout the journey. So it was just so interesting, this whole you know path that I took to becoming, becoming a dermatologist. Was the dermatologist in that appointment asking your mom questions about her lifestyle and how long she had it? Like, what was, what were you observing in that appointment? Because I was 14, I really wasn't picking up on those questions, to be honest with you. However, if mom felt so relieved after mm. and also using the tools, because in dermatology at that time, it was a quick visit, but she got relief. There were tools, like it was procedural. And I thought that was actually quite interesting. I was like, you know, I like using my hands. I'm a visual learner as well. So for me, this was like the perfect field for me. That's amazing. I know you have your own practice in New Jersey. Do you find that when patients come in, you do sense that kind of like, ah, oh, they can exhale, they can get their questions answered, they can have you look at their skin? Absolutely. All the time. They're actually so grateful after they're like, wow, you're the first dermatologist that I'm actually able to spend time with. This is not like a quick visit. This is not a five minute visit. I really intentionally spend at least 20 to 30 minutes with my patients. I ask them to like bring in all your products. Let's go yes. through it. So on the table, they have like 20 products. I'm like, I'm going to simplify this for you. Don't worry. <laughs> and then we also have a texting system that we use in our office. So I said, there are no stupid questions. Ask as many questions as you want, because I actually learned from you. And so they really feel really comfortable with our office, with my staff and so forth. I always tell people to bring in your products to your dermatology appointment because it paints a really full picture of what you're doing at home. Now, as people are bringing in their products, I'm sure you see people are using too many products, but are you finding that people are damaging their skin barrier because they're using too many acids? What's the kind of consistent theme you're finding as people bring in products? You know, the consistent thing that we're, we're finding is that actually people are using products, right? So we're glad that people are trying to, you know, take care of their skin, which is the largest organ. However, they are using too many products because they feel like, oh, well, maybe I should like, I'll take my daughter, for instance, because she's a tween, right? And she's influenced <laughs> and so forth. She feels like, oh, I need like four different moisturizers, which are all doing the same thing. They're all just moisturizing. But then she needs a couple little extra acids as well. But she doesn't understand any of the names. <gasps> Wait, your tween is using, this, this reminds me of all of this drunk elephant 
mania we're seeing where like literally 13 year old girls are using retinol. It's like, what is going on? So how old is your daughter? My daughter, Stella is 11 years old. 11. Okay. And she has an acid in her routine. She has an acid in her routine because she's been influenced. I'm like, Stella, your mom is an expert. You only need three products. And she looks at me, no, I need like my, she spends 45 minutes in the bathroom, Brooke, in the morning and also in the evening. I mean, I'm, wow. Yeah, I'm happy that she's spending time with her skin, but we need to simplify it. So I'm letting her just go through this and then eventually she'll get As it. a phase. Yes, exactly. And so then- how do you talk to her about skincare in a way that she can understand? For sure. So I talked to her about actually like making sure she's drinking tons of water. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always talk to her about Stella, put some more vegetables on that plate of yours instead of the carbohydrates. I want half of your plate to be a vegetable. And so she goes back, it gets all those cruciferous vegetables because that's going to help her. And I talked to my kids about sugar because I was like, all your friends are eating a lot of crap. And I really want you guys to be intentional about what you're eating. You see what mommy does. I want you to start to do what I do. So it's like I'm conditioning them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to think about how we're all influenced by what we see online. And you can see a 30-year-old doing their 12-step skincare routine and using these certain products that you can be 11 and think, okay, I need to use those products too. Correct. Yeah. So I, you know, I go with her when she's purchasing these products and I, I'd say, let's read it together. She's like hyaluronic acid. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's hyaluronic acid. This is a moisturizer. So let's just go ahead and let me explain that to you. But then I give her the other option, like this product here, which is much cheaper. It can do this, the same thing. So the key is just education. Yes. I do want to talk to you about pricing and skincare, but before we get to that, I want to hear more about lifestyle dermatology, which is something I know you are a big believer in. Could you explain more? Absolutely. So lifestyle truly impacts your skin. As a matter of fact, there's a whole form of medicine called lifestyle medicine. And and I decided to coin the term lifestyle dermatology because sleep and nutrition and exercise and stress management all impact your skin, which is the largest organ. So I really try to spend time with each and every patient about how that happens. I talk to them about their various meals. I say, well, how often are you exercising? Well, Dr. B, I'm not exercising that much. Well, I'm like, well, you know what? If you're not exercising, your cortisol levels are a little bit elevated, you know? So let's try to decrease that by exercising. It also helps with mental health because it is truly a mind, body, gut connection and it will help with your skin condition. I'm so happy you brought up exercising. I just got braids in because I was finding that wearing my own hair, one of the big deterrents to working out was just, it wasn't even wash day. I feel like I've simplified wash day. It was like the styling afterwards that was just like, oh, I just don't have time. And then I want to think about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm putting these braids in as a vacation to myself, but also so that I can meet with my trainer two times a week and really sweat. And, you know, it's like, these are the things that I feel like overall it's like worth the the trade-off i'm sure you also have a lot of black women coming in with hair questions scalp questions and protective styles are great but they're not foolproof right i mean you can have you know traction alopecia i believe is the term what are you seeing black women struggle with when it comes to payoffs between exercise hair scalp care they're not washing their hair 
at all, mm. you know, mm. and I think that is a huge problem. I always say that you have to at least wash your hair once a week. Yes. Um, twice is fantastic. So I have natural hair. Um, you have beautiful have, hair. Oh, thank you. I have alopecia. I have female pattern hair loss. And so I wash my hair twice a week. Yes, it's a pain in the butt. It's hard, you know, but I need to get my scalp healthy because healthy scalp equals healthy hair. Yes. And so when you have braids, the key is just to get that shampoo and conditioner all along your scalp, get the environment off of your scalp, all that sweat and whatever else is hitting us every day. And then that way your hair stays healthy while you're wearing your braids or any kind of protective hairstyle. Yes. I often wonder, I've never done a, a wig that was like glued on to, I, you know, I've done those kind of wigs that you just like put on and take off so that you can get to your scalp. But for women that are wearing wigs and can't get to their scalp, doesn't that create issues? Oh, absolutely. There's no air. There's no movement. There's a pull. There's a lot of friction going on, right? Mm. It's causing a little bit of the traction there. The glue, the adhesives is also messing up with the hair follicles as well. It's just these prostheses that we put on our scalp. It's a big issue just because yeah. we're not taking care of our hair. It's actually people are just hiding, you know, and that's what they're like, oh, I don't have to think about it. I have other things to do. And when you're not taking care of that issue, it just worsens. And when those hair follicles are diminished, it's hard to regain them. Yes. I want to go back to, you mentioned you suffer from alopecia. How is alopecia defined? And I mean, it looks like you have a beautiful, healthy head of hair. So I'm wondering how you treat the female pattern hair loss. Is it something you have to see a doctor for? Yes. So alopecia to a dermatologist doesn't mean anything because alopecia just means hair loss. And two camps, or I call them families of hair loss, you have your scarring hair loss, and then you have your non-scarring hair loss. So when we're talking about female pattern hair loss, that's in the non-scarring family. And then when we talk about like lupus, for instance, that would be in our scarring family. So it really is imperative to get the proper diagnosis first, and then you can determine what the treatments should be. The key with any alopecia is we definitely want to make sure our hair care is that we're washing our hair weekly or twice a week. We're moisturizing our hair with, you know, water-based products. We're not putting any oils on our scalp. And then specifically with me, with female pattern hair loss, it's a genetic condition. So what will happen is my hair will thin out over time. And there are a lot of treatments that you could do for that. There's like PRP, where we take your blood and your plasma, we inject it back into your scalp. You can take spironolactone. Uh, there's so many little treatment options that could just help hold on to those hair follicles. I want to ask about two specific treatments. One is Nutrafol, which I hear a lot about. And then biotin is something that people talk about taking for their hair, skin, and nails. Do you find that that has positive impacts? So I think the key with any kind of alopecia is that, number one, let's get the proper diagnosis. And those two um, supplements that you've offered are just supplements right? So they're not going to grow your hair, but they will provide some nutrients to your hair follicle. So that is a difference. People feel like, oh, I need to get this supplement and get XY supplement. My hair is going to grow. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. So we always say, try to get most of your macro and micronutrients through wholesome foods. And then you could always supplement there. But ideally, what I tell some of my patients who have certain alopecias is that we also want our blood vessels to expand on our scalp. And that can be through the course of possibly like minoxidil, for instance. And when those blood vessels are 
open a little bit wider. And then when you do take your Nutrafol or when you're biotin, then you're getting more of those supplements to your hair follicles so you can see the return in the end. Got it. Supplements is a very interesting category. It's one that's growing and growing. And even just behind me here in my office, I've got hyaluronic acid pills. I've got retinol pills. I've got collagen. I've got all of these different supplements. But most medical professionals I speak to say it is far better to get these through your diet. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. Okay. Yes. Because number one, you want the fiber. As we start to mature, you know, you just want to make sure we're getting all those nutrients from the wholesome foods and you want to get the fiber. You want your insulin to stay like this. And then with all these supplements, it's like, are you going to really take a hundred supplements? And where do they source the supplements from and what else is in these pills? So I would just be very, very careful about the supplements that you take. So for instance, I'm a little bit anemic. So as a result of that, of course, I'm taking iron with a little bit of vitamin C. And because I live in the East Coast, it's actually snowing right now in New Jersey. And I'm always indoors. I take vitamin D. So I'm really intentional about which supplement I take. And I always read the ingredients. Yes. I mean, the the whole supplement industry thrives on the fact that you will have to take a hundred different pills to get the results that you want. Now, collagen is an interesting one because as I understand it, as we get older, we have less and less collagen and it's hard to get collagen in your diet, but are there foods that we can eat for that collagen. Yeah. So I think it's all about like the protein right there. Okay. Just trying to eat a lot of protein because as you mature, we want to make sure we're getting the right amount of protein. So actually this year I am talking to a nutritionist. I had my first consultation today. And one of the things I asked her was that, you know what? I want to make sure I'm getting the right amount of protein every single day. I'm actually ingesting the right amount. So for me, she said, well, you're supposed to eat a hundred grams of protein every day. And I was like a hundred grams. This seems like a lot. And she's like, actually, no, you know, so how am I going to do a hundred? So ideally like eating a lot of tofu and beans and because I'm a pescatarian, I eat salmon only two to three times a week. So she has me on a very strict schedule. So I think it's important to get experts into your um, tribe and tell you what to do. That way you don't make mistakes because it's making mistakes. Absolutely. I've also found that chia seeds and nuts have been a game changer for me. Like chia seeds pack such a punch. I will add them to a yogurt bowl, to a smoothie, chia seeds and everything. Chia seeds and everything, hemp seeds, you know, any kind of seeds and nuts, just do it. (laughs) Are there any other foods that are recommended for kind of just like clear, glowing, plump skin, this idea of radiating radiating from the inside out? Fruits and vegetables, you can't go wrong. Okay. Um, primarily doing more of the lower glycemic index fruits. So we're talking about your berries, like consuming, you know, a handful of berries. You don't want to overdo it because they are fruits and they do have sugar in them and sugar is not good. But I always recommend for all my patients to incorporate berries into their yogurts or their um, oatmeal, incorporate them with their chia seeds, which is like a home run there. Other things are just eating a lot of like cruciferous vegetables, like all your broccoli and collard flour. Those are also really amazing as well. Sugar being so bad for us. It's such a shame because I love a good dessert. I love a slice of red velvet cake. I love an almond croissant. Like I am someone that loves sugar, but all the data supports that it is not good for me. Now, this may be an area where we're doing some myth debunking or maybe not, but I hear a lot from people that 
oh, as soon as I stopped eating dairy, my skin cleared up. Or I've also heard people say, oat milk was giving me cystic acne. Everyone's body is different and everyone responds to things differently. But are there foods that we should categorically avoid on this path to having our best skin. So let's break it down by condition, right? So if you have acne, for instance, we know there's been research that has shown that dairy, specifically like whey, can aggravate your acne, potentially worsen like truncal acne, acne on the chest and your back. We know Mm. red meat can trigger acne. We know that a lot of processed foods like the Western diet can trigger acne. So as a result of that, anyone who is acne prone in my office, we go through like what they normally have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we try to make them more um, acne friendly. Like, you know, think about acne friendly foods instead of like the ones that exacerbate your acne. So that is definitely dairy is a no-go, whereas more anti-inflammatory foods, eating more fruits and vegetables, I always tell patients, try to eat the rainbow. So 30 plants a week, go from purple to white, don't discriminate against anything um, because you know we want gut diversity. So we also should have plant diversity. Wow. 30 plants a week, it sounds like a lot, but I guess it is possible, especially if you have smoothies and you get salads with lots of different vegetables in them. I want to go back to this dairy being a hard no, because Mm -hmm. as a cheese lover, I just want to lobby a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All dairy is not created equal, right? Like there are some dairy products, like maybe a, a nicely aged cheese that could be okay, but then maybe other dairy products that are more processed are more difficult. What's the range of dairy products that you can look at? Sure. And, you know, I was being very black and white there. Obviously, there's a, there is some gray there. So I always say you should also be human, right? I'm not saying you cannot have dairy, but you just can't have it for every meal if you're acne prone, right? Mm. So I usually say maybe Monday through Friday, we're going to try to eat clean. Whereas on the weekends, you can have that sheep's cheese or, you know, you can have your pizza and so forth. But I just don't want you to consume it every single day. Have you had patients that have stopped ingesting a certain food group and seen really dramatic results in their skin? For sure. So I remember one patient came in to me and she just had these all these acne-like lesions on her neck and also her chest. And we just really couldn't figure out like what was going on. And to at my surprise, it, it was walnuts. She was ingesting walnuts, and for some reason, she was having these this acne-like breakout. Once she stopped, it was fine. Just for the, your listeners, walnuts do not cause acne. As a matter of fact, they really hydrate your skin due to all the omega-3s in there. But for some people, it just causes these acne-like lesions. Wow. I bet she was so relieved once she figured out that was the connection. That's also, I think, a good tip around. I always tell people, like, have like a little skincare journal if you're trying to figure out why what's going on with your skin, start seeing like when you're having breakouts, what you're eating, what you're doing, what products you're using. So you can start to be like a little detective and figure out the clues. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, other patients who are eating a lot of these protein bars, a lot of these protein bars, you're like, oh, Mm. it just has protein and I'm good. But when you turn the package over and you read the ingredient list, it has whey. Remember, whey is dairy. Mm. And therefore it's aggravating your acne. Once they stop, they're just like, oh my gosh, my acne is so much better. Just because wow. I was reading the ingredient list. I've been doing a series of interviews with people who have stopped drinking alcohol. And one of the light bulb moments for me is like when you get a cut, 
one of the first things you do is you put alcohol on it because it like kills all of the germs. But when you think about your gut and all of this like healthy bacteria that you want growing in your gut, as you ingest alcohol, that's also killing all of that good bacteria, right? Yes, it could disrupt the microbiome in your gut, but then also a lot of alcohol has a lot of sugar. And right. remember, sugar just causes inflammation. It just exacerbates a lot of inflammatory conditions, um, such as your acne, your psoriasis, and your eczema. And so therefore, again, it's all about moderation. Just like with the foods, like if you realize, you know what, it makes me feel good. I really enjoy drinking a little glass of red wine. Just don't do it every day. Maybe just do it like twice a week. Just and you just and you don't need to have like seven glasses of it. Just have one glass and just sip on it really slowly. <laughs> How often do you drink? So sometimes I drink at least like three times a week. I just like a nice warm glass of like a cabernet. It just that's my thing, you know. Yes. I try not to do and then in the summertime I'll do a little rose here and there, but I try not to do too much. Okay measured. measured. Now, <laughs> you you talk about this link between emotional well-being and skincare, right? What do we know about how our emotional state affects our skin? I know stress obviously cortisol has impacts on our skin. Mm -hmm. But how does our emotional state show up in our skin? Yes, it seems like a lot of people are anxious lately for the right reasons. There's a lot of craziness going on in the world. And as you just alluded to, because of anxiety, it increases the cortisol levels. And because your cortisol levels are elevated, it causes a little bit of inflammation. There's more what we call these pro-inflammatory cytokines just swarming around. So as a result of that, it just worsens your eczema lesions, it worsens your acne lesions, it worsens your psoriasis. So that's why it's so important to fuel your body with fruits and vegetables because they're more like anti-inflammatory. They cool the system down. I always say like we, with these skin conditions, they're like little volcanoes, right? So how do we um, make these volcanoes become a little bit dormant? We try to exercise. We try to eat the right foods. We sleep. Like sleep is so underrated now because we're always on our phones, but it's so important to get your beauty sleep because that's when you have your repair and your um, rejuvenation at that time. But it's so much easier to buy a cream than to overhaul your lifestyle and sleep eight to nine hours a night. It's just so much easier to just buy something at Sephora. But yeah, it's so true. So how much sleep should we be getting each night? They always say at least seven to nine, you know, tweens and teens a lot more. As a busy mom, I'll be honest with you, I hit six to seven. I really try to stay in bed a little bit longer, but I just, I wear so many different hats right. that there's so much to do, but I really do try to average around seven hours yeah. of sleep. I think all new moms get the lesson in a very real way about how much your physical appearance suffers from lack of sleep because you don't yeah. sleep, you don't get unbroken sleep for more than what, like three hours and then... Yeah. I was just like, cover all the mirrors in my home. Like, I just don't even want to look at myself. And it's the hormones, there's just a lot going on. But yeah, lack of sleep really shows up. It sure does. It really does. And I, you know, I envy those who have a baby nurse. I'm like, oh man, if I could do it all over again, I would get a baby nurse. And then that way I could get my sleep. It won't be disrupted at all. But uh, yeah, it's hard as a new mom, because uh, you're up every two hours just yeah. nursing and cleaning those diapers. Oh gosh, I'm having PTSD, Brooke. <laughs> I know, it's a lot, it's a lot. It is. <laughs> well, 
we have to get into your work for A-Frame brands. And this is kind of a juicy topic because as I'm sure you've seen, celebrity skincare has not been the most welcome addition to the skincare industry. But I am encouraged that so many of these skincare brands are hiring experts like you to be behind the scenes. I'd love to hear a little bit about the work you do for A-Frame brands. Sure. So I'm the chief medical officer and A-Frame is an amazing company that is a pairing company for Loved One by John Legend, Kinlo for with Naomi Osaka, and then Prowley with The Wades. And we are providing solutions for melanated individuals. So for instance, uh, Naomi Osaka, she didn't realize that she should be wearing sunscreen when she was a child. And she wanted to bring more education to her community about this. So that's why I was able to help her in addition to the product development team to come up with a sun care and sun recovery line for her. Um, when it came to John, um, we realized that melanated individuals, they tend to be more on the drier side. And he wanted to come up with a more affordable and accessible skincare line for us. And so that's how he came about developing Loved One. And then lastly, with the Wades for Proudly, when Kavya was a baby, she had like a really bad rash and they were looking for a skincare line for melanated individuals and they couldn't find one. They're like, we need to come up with something that is accessible and affordable. And so that's how we developed Proudly and then leveraging plant-based ingredients. All such quality products. And I love that it's focused on melanated skin, oftentimes celebrities, because they have a huge platform and funding. I mean, I think about loved one being in, I think it's in all Walgreens and CVSs and Walmarts, mm -hmm. right? And everything is under $15. The packaging is beautiful. The ingredients are phenomenal. You've got rosehip, you've got seed buckthorn oil. You just wouldn't be able to have that scale launching as like a new indie brand. So what I do appreciate about what these celebrity brands is when they come into this space and they say, I'm going to make something for my community that's accessible and it's going to be in all of these stores and I'm going to hire the best people behind the scenes to make sure the products are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they did. And that's what, you know, with A-Frame, we were intentional about that. And that's what I love working with them. I also learned a lot as a dermatologist because it's not something that we actually learn in school about all these ingredients and so forth. And part of the, my uh, education with my patients now is to look at your ingredient list, not just with your skincare products, but with your food. Because mm. I went through this journey, studying all these ingredients and putting them in all these formulations. And I'm teaching my patients every day. Okay, let me teach you about this ingredient. And this is what this does. And let's look at it in your foods too, because this is what it's doing. Wow. In that yeah. formulation process, was there anything that surprised you? There's a lot of crap out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of products out there with a lot of fragrance. And I just wish that there was more training transparency about fragrance in general. And I get why chemists put fragrance in a lot of products because a lot of these chemicals or even these plant-based ingredients don't smell good. And we wanted to appeal to the consumer. Um, but I just wish there was more transparency behind a lot of these brands. Right. It's interesting. I talked to another dermatologist who was saying that fragrance needs like a better PR agent because also fragrance is demonized and not all fragrance is bad. Some fragrance mm -hmm. can be perfectly fine. But I think as I've learned more about fragrance and skincare, you don't actually have to list what is included in a fragrance. So you can just say fragrance. It could be 17 different things, but you don't have to say anything else. And that's why if you are having a breakout and the product does have fragrance, you can't even isolate what it is because you don't have to disclose what's in that fragrance. 
Correct. Exactly. And that's what's so unfair. That's where there's no transparency. Just say what it is. You know, right. know, and then we can make that decision as to whether we want to purchase this product or not. Yes. And from what I understand, the reason why it's not disclosed is because a lot of these very kind of high end luxury skincare companies like a Chanel skincare, or they have their like signature scent that they don't want to reveal like what the components are. But then as a consumer, we're in the dark, which is not that fair. Which is not fair at all. <laughs> now, yeah. I'm curious if you're ever met with pushback as you are developing products for these celebrity brands, or are you respected for the expert that you are? There's been some pushback. I remember when we were trying to develop the Love One line and I came up with a, some interesting uh, ingredients to use. We were just kind of brainstorming and they were like, oh, we can't use this because it's it has like a bad press. So we can't use this. And I was like, but mm. you know, so it's just interesting. But it's great to work with. It's good to have these healthy discussions, right? We can agree to disagree. And we came up with an amazing product line. But yeah, some ingredients are very expensive. So it doesn't fit, you know, the budget. Right. And then some ingredients just have bad PR to begin with. I'll give you an example. Even in karate, we use um, palm oil in our hand cream. Palm oil actually has a really bad negative connotation out there in the beauty space. But this palm oil actually comes from my father's palm oil farm in Ghana. Oh, so wow. Exactly where it's coming from. There's no deforestation. There are no orangutans, you know, like we <laughs> just know exactly where it's coming from. So we always have to actually, you know, disclose that to everybody because everyone always thinks, oh, palm oil, why are you using palm oil? But we know where it's coming from. Wow. I think it's interesting as I think back to celebrities that I've interviewed that have skincare lines. I, I think about John Legend or Pharrell. I talked to Gabrielle Union about Flawless, her hair care line. But one of the things I'm struck by is they do have this like humility of like, I am not the expert, but I want to hire experts to help me. And I do love that in all of these cases, they have hired Black people and Black women to um, be behind the scenes. You talked about cost. One of the big eye-opening things for me when I first tried Loved One was seeing sea buckthorn oil in so many of the products because I have always associated sea buckthorn oil as like one of the most because I bought it like just like the pure sea buckthorn oil. It's always so expensive. How were you able to get such a premium ingredient at such a low price point for those products? When it comes to formulation, it's also the quantity that you're purchasing from, right? Like the how many units. Uh, I see. Have. I see. So anytime you're, I'm going through this exercise and I'm developing a skincare line, and I was like, I can since I'm bootstrapping this whole thing, I can only afford X. So right, but if you can put out a hundred thousand units, right? Then your I wow. goes down, and yes. then therefore you can use premium products. Yes. That makes so much sense. I I just developed this like cashmere robe and it was like, if you're ordering 5,000 units, it's going to cost you this much. But if you're only ordering 200, it's going to be like 3X. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, okay. That makes sense why these mass, mass retailers are able to cut costs. I never thought about that for skincare. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So you see everything under the sun when it comes to skincare. 
I want to know what products you're using. I know you said that you're working on a product line yourself, but I'd love to know what skincare brands that are out there that you actually love and use all the time. So besides my own that I'm like testing and making sure I have Vaseline always in my house, I call it boo-boo venison. So <laughs> that's all over. I do actually recommend La Roche-Posay a lot to my patients. I'll just be honest, just because again, affordable and accessible, easy. I like the IL list for like some of their cleansers and then also some of the sunscreens, just because of the chemical sunscreens, they go in really nicely. To be honest, I keep it really simple. I just like things that work and that are easy. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I have currently right now. What about makeup? That's an area where I've been trying to focus on brands that have skincare adjacent ingredients, right? Like, you know, I feel like if you wear makeup every day, it's really important that that makeup is well-made and thoughtful. I really love Kosas. I love Westman Atelier. I'm curious what makeup brands you find yourself gravitating towards. So it's really interesting, Brooke. I don't know how to put on makeup. I came on <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I, be, and I, do, I have a little lip, so I'm using Juvia's Place. Okay. Um, yeah. So I love her products. I support her, but I only know how to put on lip gloss. If you told me to put on eyeshadow or lip liner, I would like, it would be up to my hairline right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't use any like foundation or anything like that, just because I just don't know how to apply it. So I'm going to take up your recommendations and purchase those <laughs> products. That's how you know you have good skin when you're like, I don't even use makeup. I don't even bother with makeup because the skin is so like popping and on point. <laughs> I want to talk about a particular problem area that people, I personally feel people will hyper, hyper focus on, which is dark circles under your eyes. And I tell people, if you want to erase your dark circles, buy a great concealer. But there are things you can do to mitigate dark circles under your eyes. One, is this a problem you see people coming in with a lot? And do you find there's like a hyper fixation on it? And then two, when people do come to you with concerns about dark circles, what do you recommend? So number one, we have to determine like, what is the cause of dark circles? Is it just allergic in nature? Is it just more genetic? Is there a congestion of some of the blood vessels there? And then once we determine what the cause of it is, then we can work on brightening that area. So let's just say the area is just due to I don't know, an allergy. Obviously, you stop the offending agent, but you're left with some pigmentation. So you can use like caffeine, um, vitamin K. You can use, I like kojic acid and azelaic acid. Those can, at certain percentages, they can definitely help brighten the skin and they won't irritate the skin in this area. So when it comes to what we call periorbital, um, hyperpigmentation, so peri just means around, orbital means the eye, then we one, figure out what the cause is. And then once you figure out the cause, then you can think about different treatment options. I'm so happy you brought up allergies. I, I literally have my Zyrtec bottle right here. One of the things that I learned is that if you have allergies and you're not taking your allergy medication consistently, that can be a big cause of dark circles. Correct. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting how just the congestion here and the, the swelling can cause like discoloration and then even just the constant rubbing of right. your eyes can also cause a little bit of some of the hyperpigmentation there right. but taking that antihistamine keeps that swelling down and then therefore keeps things moving a little bit in this area and then therefore you're not rubbing so much and then that diminishes the hyperpigmentation yes and some 
periorbital <laughs> pigmentation, I'm like using my new words, yeah. is genetic, correct? Absolutely. And so if it's genetic, you know, obviously it's a little bit harder, but we can use, again, some of those ingredients that I mentioned. Sometimes you could even consider using a little bit of a bleaching cream. You could do treatments like microneedling, chemical peels. Sometimes you could do a little bit of some PRP in this area, laser treatments, but all depending on their skin types, obviously, just to kind of help improve the color there. I know that your practice does Botox and um, filler as well. Are you, so it sounds like people want kind of like a more natural look. Um, are people though also coming into you after having made the wrong decisions around Botox, meaning like too much Botox or um, filler that's gone wrong? And and how do you kind of counsel people to make better decisions about these you know substances that you're injecting into your face? I'm very, very honest. Uh, and and it's actually depends on the individual. There's some people who are like, you know, I'm always on camera and I don't want anyone to know my thoughts. So I want to look like Elsa. There's some people who are just like, I don't even want my husband to know. So just make it look as natural as possible. They don't even know I'm here. So right. I just want to look just a little enhanced. I just want to feel better. And so whenever you do any kind of treatment, they're just like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you so much. You have to customize every plan and meet them where they want. And then that's how we tailor it. But we just educate them on the pros and cons of each um, procedure we're doing. We also talk to them about the longevity of the procedure because nothing is permanent. You know, you may have to come in for Botox like every three to six months. We're saying Botox, but toxin filler could be every 12 to 24 months, just depending on the type of filler you're using. What about laser treatments? What laser treatments are you excited about? For sure. You know, laser hair removal is always a thing. So that's one. Laser resurfacing is nice just to kind of, I always say we need to clean up the summer uh, so we tend to do a lot of laser resurfacing in the wintertime. I'm going to be taking courses on like fat dissolving. So I'm really excited about, you know, because that's a big thing now. Everyone wants to lose that like mommy pouch and <laughs> and lose a little bit on the arm. And so, you know, just using laser technology on that. And for darker skin, I know lasers can be tough. I've never done a laser treatment for my face. I hear about Morpheus 8 and I, I just hear all these different kind of names for facial skincare treatments. What are the kind of like lasers you trust or use in your practice? So anything with an ND YAG base is really good for darker skin. So that takes care of for laser hair removal. And then radio frequency microneedling, that RF uh, that you just alluded to, is also good for darker skin. So if you have anything with texture, acne scars, fine lines, you could definitely go ahead and consider RF microneedling. Yeah, I did microneedling and I found it to be painful. And the first day it looked rate because your skin is like responding to trauma. So it's like, well, it's like I've had like tiny needles injected all over my face. I'm going to respond to that area. So like maybe the first like few days afterwards, it looked really great. But then I just like couldn't gear up to get excited to go again. And I know people say it takes like multiple treatments. I just kind of like dropped it. I'm mm -hmm. also not someone that has like an esthetician. I, I'm not like doing a lot of treatments. I just try to focus on skincare. Is that also okay? Or am I robbing myself of just taking my skin to the next level by doing these treatments? No, no, I think focusing on skincare is fantastic. And obviously you take care of, of your body, right? Yes. I don't need to do so much just yet. There'll be a point in time where I think you should do consider like microneedling because it's a great treatment. Downtime is very little. And you could also add a chemical peel on top of it. And that really just elevates it to the next level right mm. there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah. Next time I'm on the East Coast, I'll hit you up and we can okay. do a we can do a chemical peel. Cause I I get, you know, I get scared, but I do know that 
it can really transform your skin. Chemical peels that have pretty significant downtime, don't they? No, it actually all depends on the type of chemical peel. That okay. So it's all, it's all a spectrum. We could do something like a lunchtime peel and no one's going to know you won't even peel. I hate the word chemical peel because patients are always like, I didn't peel. I'm like, it's still remodeling <laughs> your skin. You're still building collagen. And then there are some peels where there's like significant downtime, but we could do like something very light and you could be on camera the next day and no one's going to know. Yes. And for your patients that are struggling with just the basics of skincare, it sounds like you focus on lifestyle, diet, skincare. What are like the core products that you feel everyone should have in their routine? Excellent. I love this question. Everyone just needs basics. You just need a gentle cleanser, a moisturizer and sunscreen. Then after that, depending on why you came in, I will go ahead and think about your condition. Think about what type of skin type you are. Are you melanated, non-melanated? Because there's nuances in the skin there. And we would think about your lifestyle, whether you want to put creams on in the morning or at nighttime. And then we'll come up with a customized plan for you. So that is usually my approach. But everyone needs a gentle cleanser, a moisturizer, and a sunscreen. doesn't matter if it's a chemical sunscreen or a mineral sunscreen. You just need sunscreen. Just need a sunscreen. And retinol? Retinol. So I love retinol. It can be mean to your face. I mean, the other thing on Sunday, yeah, it was Sunday. I put it on my tretinoin and then by Monday morning, I'm like, my face is like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, so I love any retinoid or retinol, whatever you could tolerate. And you only need to use it like three times a week because you just want that cell turnover. And I always hear people talk about like a purge that happens when you first start retinol, but I feel like it's sometimes hard to determine is this your skin having like a poor reaction or is this just the process of beginning retinol? It's usually just the process of beginning retinol. And obviously if it lingers for like a month where it's just like this purge is not going away, I'm just getting really irritated. Then at that point, we either have to consider lowering the dose of the retinol, maybe even the cadence of the retinol or retinoid, or we just stop it all together. And then you could always consider like Bocuchiol, for instance, which is like an alternative to the retinol. But it really just depends on what is going on. You just have to kind of listen to your skin and see what that reaction is like. Yes. Well, while I have you, I would love to hear any skincare myths that you just see floating out there on the internet that you think should be debunked. The other day, I think I saw on TikTok, for instance, someone taking rice and putting it on their face to do a rice mask. And I was just like, really? What? Like, <laughs> I was like, I need to do a stitch here because I, but I was too tired again. You see, Brooke, I'm so tired. <laughs> I just, but she really just, she made rice and she was like, I need to come up with a rice mask. And so she literally had rice all over her face. I'm like, this is not how you yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I guess some of it is like rage baiting, right? Like anything to get clicks and engagement. Yes. yes. Yeah. Wow. That is ridiculous. Is. What are you excited about in terms of innovations and what's coming next in this space? Obviously you're in the process of developing products. You have access to all of these labs and chemists. You're seeing like 2025, you're seeing ahead of us. <laughs> what are you excited about? 
I think I'm excited more about some of the devices that are coming down the line, you know, and I'm really fascinated about the intersection of how psychology and dermatology are just merging together Mm. and what kind of products are going to come out from that. Like we talked about the intersection between mental health and the skin and then also the gut. I really think there might be some more product development when it comes to mental health and skin. So I'm just excited to see what people are going to put out there. Yeah. This isn't a product, but you've spent time in LA. You know, LA people are a little bit different. I had this kind of reckoning when I noticed that a lot of people on the West Coast don't really talk about the news or politics, or they kind of abstain from the stress of coping with this insane world that we live in. And I can remember feeling quite judgmental about that. I still choose to participate in the news cycle and read and stay informed, but I'm also understanding that some of that is just self-preservation where people have decided I am not going to stress myself out and give myself breakouts by participating in this and my life is better because of it. And it's just been, it's just been interesting for me to see that kind of like lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I think on the East Coast, we're like in it, right? We're, we're in it. talking about it. It's also nice to be also ignorant, right? Because when you're a little bit ignorant, and you're not watching the news, you're less stressed and you can really be present and really enjoy life. And yes. So there's something to be said about that. So maybe right. we do have to take some advice from the Californians. <laughs> <laughs> so like they, they say, it's like no thoughts, just vibes. You know, I have found, I'll tell you what's worked for me, reading the news. So I have the weekend subscription to the New York Times. I have found that reading the news, I, I can feel my cortisol not spiking as I read the information versus if it's in a video format or if I'm like consuming it on social media. Social media, the way that news is conveyed is like meant to stoke emotion and engagement. And like you feel that. So I have found that reading articles and like switching to print and even like reading The Economist, which is like dry and boring, but there's just so much good information there. I have found that that has allowed me to consume news in a way that does not cause me stress. And then just personally not engaging in social media discourse because just, I'm just not going to go back and forth with the uninformed and ignorant. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's no point. You don't want to waste that bandwidth there, but I, I like that. And I might take that because I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts like the daily and so forth. Podcasts are great too. Yeah. But I, I think print is is more important. Yeah. There's no judgment there. So, well, there's judgment, but in a different way. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just, it registers in the body in a different way. And mm-hmm. as we have an election year, oh my gosh, I'm like, mm-hmm. Gearing up for this year. It's so important that we learn to manage our stress. So that brings me to my next question, which is how do you relax? I relax when I'm exercising, when I'm hanging out with my family. You know, sometimes I literally have to put my phone in my room, be downstairs. So that way there's like a disconnect because otherwise I feel like I'm always like answering a patient email or answering emails from, you know, some different businesses. So the way I relax is number one, exercising every other day. I feel like I always say that's my free psychiatry (laughs) there. And then just hanging out with my family. I just love, that's what I enjoy. Do you also do therapy? I pray a lot. Mm. So I have conversations with God all the time. And to Mm. be honest with you, my therapy comes when I talk to my patients. Mm. 
you know, they're sharing so many of their vulnerable thoughts with me. And there's so much emotion. Sometimes it overflows a lot. There's tears. Mm. And I know I'm doing God's work at that time. And that's what uplifts me. And I find that very therapeutic. Uh, yeah. So that is my therapy. So I get that 40 hours a week, actually. <laughs> yes. Being in service to others is such an underrated way to nourish yourself. They often say that like, if you're struggling with something, one of the best things you can do is to help other people. And that can kind of take you out of your own head and, and give you some perspective. Absolutely. And you realize that your problems are like nothing, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say they're nothing, but they're just much less at that point. Yeah. Yes, we're we're all we're all going through our own battles. Well, I love all of the advice you've given about managing stress, just having a lifestyle approach to skincare, not over relying on products. And correct me if I'm wrong, you do not need expensive skincare products to have great skin, correct? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yes. Because it's a holistic system, right? It's all about what, yes, applying good products on your skin is important, right? You want to make sure that ingredient list is addressing some of your concerns, absolutely. But it's also what you're doing. Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you meditating? You know, are you exercising? That's also important as well. Yes, all of the hard work. All the hard work. <laughs> My final question for you, when do you feel most beautiful? I feel most beautiful, again, like helping my patients every day. I feel most beautiful when my kids um, come to me and they're like, mom, can you help me with this? Like, what is your, like, what do you think? Um, and I'm able to help them in that, in, the, in those five minutes or in that one hour. That's when I feel most beautiful. Yes, that's, again, being in service to others. That's kind of the, the common theme. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. And I'm excited about mm -hmm. your skincare line. We'll have to talk about that when that's out in the market. Yes, yes, yes. Um, hopefully in the spring, it'll be out in the market. And um, you'll be one of the first ones to know. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Of course, of course. Thank you, Brooke. You have to prioritize your wellness if you're serious about it. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you don't have time to take care of yourself. The Aloe Moves app makes it so easy to squeeze in just 15 minutes, just 30 minutes a day. Every morning, I have this magical 45-minute window when my husband is driving my son to school and I just get to be alone. I open the app. They have yoga classes. They have mindfulness exercises, self-care tips, healthy recipes, and they have everything from beginner to advanced. If you only have five minutes, they have an exercise you can do in five minutes. Or if you have an hour and you want to break a sweat, they have award-winning HIT classes. The other thing I've been loving on the Allo Moves app is the emphasis on sleep. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep and staying asleep longer. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code NAKEDBEAUTY30 for an exclusive 30-day free trial. That is a month of access to all of these incredible classes absolutely free. And you can enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code NAKEDBEAUTY30, allomoves.com, NAKEDBEAUTY30. Enjoy. Easter is just around the corner, and of course, you know Macy's has you covered for everything you need, whether you're hosting or going to a beautiful Easter brunch, or maybe you're taking in the day with a service. It's coming up Sunday, March 31st, and they really do have it all. I always love the Ralph Lauren beautiful pastel Easter outfits for the whole family. Or if you're making Easter baskets, Macy's has Toys R Us Easter basket goodies. Find it all in-store or online at Macy's.com.
That was Dr. Nana Boachi. I'm so grateful for her knowledge. And also make sure you're subscribed because we're going to do a bonus episode all about PRP, which is like the latest skincare treatment that I hear everyone in LA getting. And I was just like, I need you to break down to me exactly what's going on, exactly what it does for our skin, which she does. And we talk about new skincare technology. It's a really great conversation that you all will hear in the weeks ahead. And thank you all so, so much for listening. I'm so passionate about helping to educate all of us, myself included, about good skincare practices. And as we learned today, it is so much deeper than what you put on your skin. It is a full body approach. And I so appreciate that reminder. Thank you all so much for listening. I will be back next week with a new episode. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.